O oh Lord, there are so many things that make us blind to your love. Grant us to see your abundant and amazing grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the past two Sundays, we've been in the midst of a sermon series on stewardship, considering both the why and the where of giving. We've seen just how powerful money can be with the simple truth that we either exercise some control over our money by giving it away, or we serve money as a slave. And in giving to places like St. Luke's, we put our treasures here so that our hearts might follow as we grow in the difference that Christ makes. Today, I want to consider the how of giving. The first thing to say about how we give is that it is always in response to God's grace. As we all know, we came into this world with nothing but love, and love is the only thing that we will have on our way out of it. Any position, possessions, status, or relationships that we have in this in-between time are gifts on loan to us. And this understanding of grace really is at the foundation of what we mean by stewardship. Now, sometimes in the church, we use what people call stained glass language. It's not that we're trying to be obscure and using words that people don't use on a daily basis. It's just that some ideas are so nuanced that only a specialized word like stewardship will do. Because if we talked about fundraising instead of stewardship, then we would be missing the point. When the church asks its members to contribute financially, it's not about us having a balanced budget, as wonderful as that is when it happens, but stewardship is something different. Let's say we want to have a budget of $500,000 and we receive $500,000. Is that a success? Most businesses and nonprofits would say yes. But the church says maybe. A successful stewardship campaign happens when our theme, we are the body of Christ, is put into action. If we had a handful of donors who covered the budget and no one else gave anything, I would call that a failure, not a success because stewardship is not about fundraising. Stewardship is about us realizing that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves, bigger than our individual interests or concerns. We are the body of Christ, that blessed fellowship that transcends space and time. And so if not everyone is contributing, then the whole body is not active and we actually have a deficit even if the budget is balanced. And the other side of this coin is that stewardship is not only about community, but also transformation. Stewardship is intended to change your relationship to money and possessions. These things do not belong to us, regardless of what Western philosophy would have us to think. We are to hold things tenderly, 
not as owners, but as stewards, as people who receive these things as gifts and know that one day we will have to leave them behind as gifts. The question is, what shape will we leave these gifts in? Again, we all came into this world hungry and naked, utterly dependent on the love and care of others. And we fool ourselves if we think that we ever outgrow that state of dependence. Yes, many of us have studied hard and worked hard, but we've also benefited from systems bigger than us, systems that privilege some people over others. We have all received wisdom from mentors, encouragement from friends, kindness from strangers. Where would we be without those things? And without God's gracious gifts, we would be utterly lost. God created us from nothing with a love that surpasses all understanding. God has forgiven us for the things that we have done and left undone. God has come to us in Jesus to show us the way, the truth, and the life. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to give us courage, guidance, and faith. God has not only given us the gift of life, but the gift of a life worth living. And all of this happened without us asking for it or earning it. This is grace. And so stewardship is not how we pay God back for this. Not at all. If we had all eternity, we could not even make a dent in bringing that ledger into balance. Rather, stewardship is a way of seeing life as a gift and responding accordingly. Stewardship is about gratitude, not obligation, about participation, not accumulation, about joy, not guilt. So when the church has a stewardship campaign, it's really not about the money. It's about being transformed in grace. The grace of knowing that as the body of Christ, God has given us all that we need. Of knowing that everything that we have is a gift from God, and so we can share that gift. Because ultimately, it's all God's anyway. So a successful stewardship campaign is one in which we all come together to participate in the gracious generosity of God. And that cannot be measured with dollars alone. So far, I've been speaking about how stewardship is about how we see things, how we see our lives, how we see our possessions, how we see ourselves. And the barrier to this is that often we have trouble seeing these things because we are distracted and blinded by our egos, by our doubts, by our insecurities, by the influence of corporations, politicians, and yes, even religious leaders. Trust me, I know that I do not deserve the authority or the platform that I have. This vocation is a gift from God and I strive to be a faithful and good steward and servant of this calling. And so I pray that the influence that I have is always used to bring people into a deeper awareness of God's grace. And I beg for mercy when I fall short of that. The point though is that we are all blind to God's grace at times. 
Consider the gospel text from Mark. Bartimaeus was blind, yet he was able to see enough to call Jesus and ask him for mercy, calling Son of David, a messianic title. The disciples, all of whom had their vision and had been there to see the previous miracles, remained blind to who Jesus is. They don't understand Jesus when, they tell, when he tells them about his coming passion. They argue about which of them is the greatest, even though Jesus has shown them that the least is the greatest of all. They try to stop the children from coming to Jesus because they cannot see that the kingdom belongs to the little ones. We are no better off. It's why come and see is at the start of our parish's identity statement. It's not something that we come and look at once, but something we have to come and see over and over again. When we hoard as private treasure, we are blind to God's abundance. When we refuse to forgive others or ourselves, we are blind to God's mercy. When we fret about things, we are blind to God's love, which is the most important thing there is. And so Bartimaeus is a great example of faith to us because he is able to see what we so often miss. One scholar has defined faith as an act of courage that refuses to accept things the way they are. Or in other words, faith is about seeing things that are not yet visible. Bartimaeus might not have been able to see, but he had a great sense of vision. He trusted that things unseen, things like his salvation, were possible. And he trusted in the character of God to bring these unseen possibilities into focus. So when the disciples tell him that Jesus was calling him to come near, he sprang up and threw off his cloak. His cloak was his most valued possession. It's what gave him the little bit of self-made dignity that he had, because that cloak was his clothing and his shelter. That cloak gave him something soft to sleep on at night. It's what kept him warm on cold evenings. And that cloak was a sign of his poverty. The custom was that people would put coins on the edge of a cloak in the same way that when we see someone begging on the street, we will put change into their hat or their cup. And so can you imagine this scene? Bartimaeus leaps up, throws off that cloak, and the coins go everywhere. It was a bold move. For Bartimaeus. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He wanted to see, but he could have asked for a lot of things, to be rich, to be powerful, to be immortal, but all he wants is to see. And presumably, with his vision, he will no longer be much of a charity case. He's going to have to work instead of beg and likely will be overwhelmed by all the things that he will be seeing. So why might he have chosen to have his sight? Well, immediately after he regains his sight, Mark tells us that Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the way. That word way means road. So we can take this in a more literal sense and say that he went where Jesus was going. 
He used his sight to follow Jesus. And we know where Jesus is going. He's going to Jerusalem to be flogged, beaten, crucified, and buried. And so Bartimaeus presumably was there to see all of these things. And perhaps Bartimaeus was there early on that first day of the week when the impossible happened. The tomb was empty and the risen Jesus appeared to the disciples. Bartimaeus did not ask for possessions or powers that would fade away. He asked to have sight so that he could see the fullness of God's love in Jesus. He was able to see and follow Jesus in the way that leads to abundant and eternal life. But to do this, Bartimaeus had to throw off that cloak. And I wonder what you need to throw off in order to be able to follow Jesus. I can't answer that for you. I, I only know what I need to throw off. But I encourage you to give that some honest and deep thought. What blinders need to come off? What heavy cloaks might make us comfortable, but actually weigh us down from following Jesus? Seeing ourselves as stewards might well be a part of this. In the church, we speak about pledging. Now, a pledge is not a promise. It's more of a statement of intention. As you know, the church has no product to sell. We don't charge for anything. So in order to keep up our buildings, pay our staff, and fund ministries, we rely on your contributions. But for us to plan appropriately, we need to know how much income to expect. If we overestimate how much money will be given, we will end up spending more than we receive, and that is not sustainable. But if we underestimate, then we cannot plan for projects or ministries or give our staff the compensation that they deserve. Imagine if your employer did not tell you what your pay would be next year. They just said something like, don't worry, we'll take care of you. You'll get somewhere between 1% and 7% of our proceeds for the year. Well, that would make it pretty hard to have a budget. It would cause unnecessary anxiety. Now, making a pledge does not create a bill for you. There is absolutely zero shame or guilt in not being able to fulfill a pledge because life happens, and we understand that. Sometimes you can give more, sometimes less than a pledge. But at least it gives us some idea on how to build our budget. Plus, a pledge actually helps you because you have to make a budget to do it and then follow it. So don't let that word pledge be bigger or scarier than it sounds. Rather, pledging is just a way of saying that you want to respond in gratitude as a steward for all of God's gifts. It's a way for you to participate in the vitality of St. Luke's. It is a way to help yourself and our church in planning a faithful budget. But again, the goal of stewardship is transformation. And Bartimaeus gives us a glimpse into what that looks like. He comes to Jesus and addresses him as my teacher. That my is a signal that he's been transformed. He now looks to Jesus as his way, his truth, and his life. 
In seeing ourselves as stewards and participating in stewardship, we likewise look to Jesus to provide for us out of God's abundance. We will come and see mercy, grace, peace, and resurrection life. By God's grace, we will be able to say, you know, I once was blind, but now I see.